Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Each month, over 80,000 people download podcasts produced from the fevered mind of Royfield Brown. They cover a gamut of topics, like maps, politics, American presidents, history, the archers, Formula One, Jamaican culture, and Englishness. Go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Royfield Brown to discover a new favorite podcast today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Um, I thought I'd record the theme tune on the flutes. This is uh, Jenny from Alexandria. This week's Dumpty Dum is from our Jenny Bronder, and the podcast is sponsored by Ms. C.A. Cox. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the Kassoff Pergola, who is Royfield Brown, and I am here today with the downtrodden dairy worker who is... Jacqueline Berto in Brittany, France. Now, on this episode, we have a very select group of colorinoers. We hear mm. from Witherspoon, who's pretty pissed off. Jen from Ambridge, Ambridge Pony Club, who speculates about the Ulster farming community. And Q, he's back, who is channeling the East Midlands. We also have a new and regular feature from our Stephen, who can always be relied upon to explain the ins and outs of some of our favourite Ambridge institutions and this week in honour of Brian's new accommodation we have the story of Blossom Hill Cottage and it's a cracker. Plus folks we're going to have tweet of the week from our purple pumpkin our Theo and the social media roundup from our Sandra. Don't forget folks if you search for Dumpty Dum on YouTube guess what you'll find? Dumpty Dum on YouTube. You'll find hours of interviews where I in conjunction with you, some of the great listeners of Dumpty Dum, interview the Archers actors. And of course, we should be wishing a very warm welcome to the 10 new members of our Facebook group. Shall we talk about Birmingham now? Folks, you know that if you've had any attention to this podcast or <laughs> to the Academic Archers on Facebook or to Dumpty Dum on Facebook, you will know that we are having a big Right Royal Meetup in Birmingham on April the 22nd to the 23rd. That's the Saturday to the Sunday. There is actually a little bit of uh, an aperitif and a mousse bouche on the Friday, but I'll talk about that another time. Fundamentally, what you need to do is divvy up some money, put your glad rags on and have yourself a right royal archer's time because it's going to be awesome, all manner of fantastic. Now, it's going to be all manner of panels at the Birmingham Symphony Hall. Symphony Hall, Shackley. I tell you. I know. We don't, we don't. Amazing. It looks amazing. 
We're going to be real grown-ups, Royfield. You speak for yourself. Be yourself. I don't disappoint anybody. I don't. I'm going to manage expectations. I'm just going to be me. You can vault into adulthood and be all grown up and proper. I'm just going to be me. There's going to be a whole load of panels about various aspects of the archers put on by those clever people, the academic archers. We'll be interviewing people. We'll be doing a live job. It's going to be fantastic. And then that goes on till the Sunday where there's going to be a live listen along to the Omnibus and then also a live dum-de-dum with us and Sonny Ormond. Now, it's priced at too cheap, if you ask me, 90 British pounds for the whole weekend. Now, what that's going to get you is all the panels on the Saturday, all the goings on Sunday and a meal. Basically, you can't go out in London and get a meal for less than 90 quid. You get all of that a day and a half's worth of entertainment and a meal that's priced at £90 you can come along just for the Saturday you can have a weekend pass without the meal go on to dumdydum.com all the details are there you can pick whatever package suits you but we'd love to have you for dinner now the last time I checked over half of all the dinner reservations have gone so you need to be quick the dinner is going to be on Saturday night at the Cozy Club we've got a great menu you can view it online pick what you want but it's priced that element is priced at 30 quid Oof! there you go is there anything i've missed out oh there's going to be some knitting going on i hear knitting is pretty big in the oh sorry is it crafting sorry, oh gosh you're stitching. So... stitching why don't you listen why don't you oh, that's it you've got it now it's stitching, stitching. we're promoting a quilt that was made on archer's themes over the mm-hmm. last couple of Archers, Omnibus Archers, Archers Academics, with a Nick Waken Kraken. And we're also building our own new piece for this year with lots of embroidery and pieces of textile art, which will celebrate the whole weekend. And we're hoping to get people to buy tickets for it and give the money to charity. So we'll see how that goes. So is the whole idea that it tells a story of the weekend a la the Bayer tapestry, that type of thing? No, it's more a story of what is happening at Ambridge, a little history of Ambridge. So there are little maps, there are places, there are subtle references going in to, to life in Ambridge and things that happened like Aop U2 and those. Kind so of wait things. a minute, is it, you're asking people to drive, fly, catch a train from wherever they live to come all the way to Birmingham to stitch. Is that fundamentally it? Yeah, why not? Stitching is the fundamentals of life. Creating a beautiful piece of textile around the things that we love is all what is everything that life is about, Royfield Brown. Maybe that's why you're not as happy as I am. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, excitement abounds with that. Do you know what I mean? Come to Birmingham to stitch, folks. So, uh, what are you saying? Cynical, you'll love it. I love it. I'm not. uh, Listen, trust me. Trust me. I'm not. I'm here. I'm here to be wowed by the by the spectacle of (laughs) Archer's fans stitching. Now, what's all this about these speakers and events being promoted on a daily basis? Ah, yes. So. Cara Courage from Academic Archers put together a little everyday notice and I've been charged with putting them onto our Dum 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 Facebook page. So I've been putting them on and there's always a link in there to buy your tickets if you want. But it also explains on a day-to-day basis one of the things that the speakers are talking about, who they are and what's going to be, what we're going to be hearing about. It's pretty wow. I'll tell you what. Talk about imposter syndrome. I'm the first speaker on the first day and I am petrified now having read the rest of them. I shall carry on putting them on Facebook and pretending I I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so there we go. Well done, you. Now, we do need you to send us in some dum-de-dums, folks. Give us a bank of tunes so we can play them in the future. So if you fancy singing with your friends or family, tunes and on your tin whistle or sending us a full orchestral rendition of Barwick Green, please send it to us. And today's Sabelta, was it not? It was indeed, and a new one. First time we've heard that one. But before we go any further, let's have a look at the week in Ambridge from our suey queen or tart. Hello, lovely people. It's Suey, queen or tart on the Twitters here, and this week in Ambridge. Eddie appears to have been behaving, well, just like Eddie, frankly. Clary Love was fed up with it, and when Helen announced that she and Susan were getting two days unpaid leave because of the window installation, they bonked off. 
Hannah was lucky that they didn't go on a strike, frankly. Industrial relations at Bridge Farm are, well, non-existent, particularly foisting a new uniform on them, and there's no mention of whether he's got pockets or not. Eddie turns out to have been arranging with Neil to relocate the Carter's pergola into Grange Farm. Nice for Clary to get Susan's cast-offs. Not. Eddie, you could have bought her something new. I was so pleased she gave him a shop-bought cake. Good on you, Clary love. Brian dropped a bombshell after an outing with Alice and they met up with Joy, who was wearing Jenny Darling's scarf, acquired at the WI store. He is leaving Willow Cottage, but it turns out he's only going round the corner for effectively to move to Blossom Hill, Steppy Cottage, for a new life of tinned custard, maybe. Paul saw his first lamb born, and we heard he was swapping back with Denise. No point in him moving into the spare room at the stables, but it turns out Denise isn't coming back yet. She's going to go somewhere else for a while. Hopefully, Josh and Lily uh, haven't moved anyone else in yet. He and Jacob and Alistair did an escape room on Friday, which would have been Paul's last day. Jacob seems very well suited to escape rooms. Not so much, Alistair. I love an escape room. I've done about 50 of them. Go and try one out. Brian and Adam went to Cheltenham together and they had a touching family chin wag. And Brian won money on osses. Ben also had a long chat this week with Sykesy, who turns out to know Jill. She had come into the laurels and brought a birthday cake for Ben. What a nice lad he is to go in early on his birthday. Astonishingly, no one turned up to ogle Clary and Susan through the new window. Jimmus wants a top hat, presumably something to do with oppressing the EV charging station. I'm sure all will be revealed in the fullness of time. So, not a lot this week, other than having a new pergola, new windows, new house to live in. That's enough, isn't it? Anyway, until next week, my lovelies, hope it's a good one. For me, this felt like the Archers of old. It felt like a very comfortable, like, mid-90s episode. We had the Carters and the Grundies. We had Clary not quite trusting Eddie. Eddie was up to something. But we all knew this was going to be something, something lovely as opposed to his old shenanigans. Yeah, but it made her uncomfortable. I don't like that. Even when he's doing something nice, why does it always have to be Clary that suffers to go through stuff? To and she's she was so uncomfortable. She was so unhappy about it. Okay, it was a lovely ending. Yeah, I like the fact the fact that she's got a pergola somewhere it, to sit in w- the garden. But it was a happy ending, and everybody likes a happy ending, don't they? Yeah, we do. I loved a happy ending. And everybody said, oh, we love you and I love you and you're the one for me. And that was all so smoochy and lovely. This was a weak attempt at humour considering I've just come back from Thailand about the happy ending. But <laughs> but <laughs> moving on from that, moving on from that. And no, I didn't, by the Sorry, way. Sorry, I'm, I'm not a humorous person, apparently. But it felt, on the one part, I found that very comforting. It felt like a cuddle from me mum. To yeah. Ed- Eddie, was Eddie? Yeah. Susan having to, to Susan having to counsel her. Susan and Clary had their little away day, etc. Wasn't that lovely? Now that was lovely. They had two yeah. away days, and I it really was. liked that. Yeah. And then it was Neil and Eddie in cahoots. Yeah. It good felt mates. like yeah. good old fashioned archers. But so I is put there it to you. That's created with you, Royfield, this week. I put it to you though. Was it lazy archers? Considering we all knew it was going to be something lovely, it was not. It was going to be no malfeasance. There was one part of me just said, "Wasn't that just a little bit lazy?" I don't imagine lazy because I quite like the. I quite like the the yummy, friendly, cutesy, old fashioned storylines. When after we've had a bit of drama, we've had a bit of trauma. There's always the trauma going on with Alice. Alice worries me all the time. Her addiction and her taking things hard. We had all that ridiculousness of her and Adam trying to tell Brian what he wanted and that how she would react to her, to Brian deciding that he knows what he wants and not her. And I felt she wobbled a lot this week, Alice. And so that always worries me because I don't want her to fail. 
in her sobriety. So, in fact, it was a light relief to have all the Neil, Clary and Susan stuff. But I have to say, I do a bit of craft fairing. <laughs> could even do with a fiddler fest. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it shows, what was it, F, something Fiddler's Fest <laughs> on a Wednesday. The Felfisham Fiddler's Fest, was it? It wasn't quite Felfisham, was it, but it was somewhere else. I don't know. Every now and then, this show reminds me that I'm not quite its core demographic when there's a Fiddler's <laughs> Fest and people are getting down at a Fiddler's Fest. I'm like, what am I listening to here? Yeah, it was one of those weeks, wasn't it, when you think... Oh, ah, this person, I've been banging on for 25 years to this person about this fantastic radio show that I love and I'm addicted to and I follow. And if they listen this week, they'd think it was written by Benny Hill. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would criticise their writers. I, I think it's one of those weeks where people can read into it and almost take out what they want. I know Witherspoon later on is going to talk about a line which smacks for him of kind of homophobia which went over my head so i don't know what that says about me yeah it's just one of those weeks where not a lot happened but i've always been the king of i love it when nothing much happens in the archers for me the reason why this week wasn't exactly a stellar week is because not that stella was even on my say where was Stella in it i missed that it's because the grundy and carter's thing was archers of old so i'm going to put that to one side and I didn't feel there was that much character exploration. Yes, Brian, we're now seeing a pattern of Brian deciding that I am moving on with my life. Jenny's stuff is gone. I'm even going to move out of Willow Cottage. Yes, there was that. This sexy thing. What's all that about? I'm just... I said, oh, 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 we, we forgave them. We forgave them for that, didn't we, a few weeks ago because when he was first introduced, because we said, oh, that's a way of showing that Ben is good at getting on with people, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I can't quite see where it's going now because yeah, it's just a funny character. Ben Ben doesn't and need that. I just... I say it all the time. We have so many characters who are silent. I just... We don't need the psyche person to go anywhere. At least I don't anyway. No. All he needed to be, as you said, was an illustration of Ben being able to cope with pressure. Yeah. He even said, that's my work phone that, that's ringing. This is my own phone. And no, yeah. I don't need to. So he could handle pressure, move on. I, d- I was never the biggest Jasper Carrot fan in the first place, if I'm being honest <laughs> with you. Yeah. I was like, ugh. Anyway, I suppose what we should do is go and hear what our Stephen has got in his memory box about Blossom Hill Cottage. Because he's somewhere which hasn't been mentioned for a little while, but has yeah. been key to the archers before. So it has. Here we go. Um, uh, Royfield, are you playing the first version or the second version? I'm going to play the correct first version, which is yeah, the second first version before I play the second segment. Which uh, of, of which there is only I'm just checking up on you. Only one version. Yes. <laughs> All right. So. So Stephen sent in two versions of the first segment. I'm playing the second segment. And of the second segment, there's only one version. Do not worry. I've got it all worked out. You need a mathematical degree to sort out. (laughs) You're doing very well. (laughs) Here is our Stephen Bowden and Blossom Hill Cottage. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here is an illustrated summary of the news. Brian's new home is rich in Archer's history. In fact, there's too much to cover in two minutes, so here is the first of two two-minute histories of Blossom Hill Cottage. In 1952, Blossom Hill Cottage was rented from the Bellamy estate by the Irish thriller writer Mike Daly as a rural retreat. In one of the most bizarre storylines in the history of the Archers, Daly was accused by Reggie Trentham, the director of the Grey Gables Country Club, of being Major John Smith of the Army Pay Corps, who had been cashiered for embezzling funds. Trentham had met John Smith's former girlfriend, Valerie Grayson, and with her in tow, he confronted Daly. Daly explained that, in fact, he was a spy who had been a prisoner in Dachau during the war and had escaped after a sympathetic German officer had certified him as being dead. Having Daly cashiered by the Pay Corps as Smith had been a ruse by MI6 to attract enemy agents, and Valerie, who was also an MI6 officer, had pretended to be his fiancée. This was apparently enough to satisfy Reggie, who ended up marrying Valerie. Not long afterwards, Mike Daly left the village. By 1958, Blossom Hill Cottage was being rented from the Bellamy estate by John Tregoran, who was having a hard time. One evening, Carol Gray found him drunk in the Bear Hotel in Borchester and took him home to the cottage, only to be spotted leaving at 1.30 in the morning by Charles Grenville's housekeeper, the mysterious Madame Garonne, who'd gossiped about this shocking behaviour. It later turned out that Madame Garonne was an international diamond smuggler. Carol Gray went on to marry Charles Grenville, and then some years later after Charles's death, she married John Tregoran. Roger Travers Macy moved into Blossom Hill Cottage in the mid-60s, and after he married Jennifer in 1968, they lived there at the weekends, spending the week living in a flat above Featherstone's bookshop in Borchester. In 1989, Lillian Bellamy sold the Bellamy estate but retained Blossom Hill Cottage where her mother was living. While Peggy was there, the cottage suffered both a burglary and a fire. And in 1991, when Peggy married Jack Woolley, she moved out, leaving it empty. Later that year, Kate Aldridge and her gang, that's Helen Archer, Brenda Tucker and William Grundy, broke in and discovered letters dating back to the Second World War from Con Korchmar, an American GI, to Peggy. Kate forged a letter back from Peggy to Con, whereupon Con turned up in Ambridge, much to Peggy's embarrassment. Then, in the autumn of 1993, Lillian sold the cottage to Usher, who had decided to move out of Borchester and sample the joys of rural life. Oh, there you go. Tell you what, Royfield, I'm shocked mm-hmm. by that. I didn't know any of that. I knew the bit about the con, the American GI, and I knew all the things about... How do you know that? How do you know I remember it. GI? I remember it. I remember it from my listening. But all that earlier stuff... Now, I have to say, people tell us that they don't like the current storylines with the... What, what's that noise? Make that noise. Make that EastEnders noise. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You've got that one down to a fine art, and I can never remember it. But all those spies, all the spies, MI6, John Tregoran, fires, burglaries, that was, they were the real East Enders scripts in those days, wasn't it, for Blossom Hill? You know what? It sounded bonkers. And dare I say it, it sounded like a load of rubbish, to be honest about it. Right. The, the quality of the, let's say the plotting, because maybe it was written sublimely, but to have it just sounded Utter lunacy. And yes, what to do with one cottage? <laughs> Imagine what was going on in the rest of the village. I suppose straight after the war, because this thing starts 1951, 1952, there's going to be some level of an appetite to hear about escaped prisoners. Yeah. And whatever. And I think this tells us not only about the time, but also about drama on the BBC. This was akin to Dick Barton back then. I've listened to, there is, you can go onto YouTube and you can hear really old episodes of the art. Can you? I've never tried. There is one, and I'm like 
real old. We're not talking about 10 years ago. We're talking about 1950s. There's this one episode and it's people in the bull just singing folk songs. It's dreadful. It's not even like you go, oh, that's really endearing. It's literally, all right there, Jethro, have you got yourselves a song? Oh, yes, (laughs) I have. Oh, delay, 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 oh, delay, delay, oh, delay, oh, delay, delay, oh. And somebody says, oh, I've got another song I would like to sing. Oh, please sing your song, little Billy. I once walked down to Lakey Hill and that's the whole episode. It's it crazy. Was bad. When it was bad. It was... <laughs> I wonder when that all I wonder I'm sure Stephen or somebody equally erudite will be able to tell us when did things really start to change when we got storylines around the families, um, things happening in the families uh, rather than well, general country village stuff. I, I think there were a lot of filler episodes. And the one where they are singing folk songs in the ball. And they I say, I think I've heard you talk about this before, actually. Yeah. Because it's so stunningly bad. It's so stunningly bad. <laughs> Anyone who's connected with that show is so long past. So we can be really <laughs> honest about it. It was bad. Because apart from Maggie, of course, because she was in it. So actually, sorry. that's a very good point as to whether she was actually in that episode. Because I can't remember. But if you go back to so the dawn of ITV, where the Grace Archer gets. Uh, yeah. In the fire. Meets her end in the fire. You can listen to that. And okay, it's a little bit stagey. It's like, yeah, where's but Grace? It's, it's, yes, which is good. No, but don't it's good. Go. Exactly. It's like, I'm just going to go in there and get whatever the name of the horse is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is. Don't go, Grace. I just oh, have to go no. get him, Phil. All yeah. of that. Yeah. And it's a bit stagey, but it's not bad. So I think they had episodes where they just had to fill dead air. And yeah. boy, oh boy, did they really point the neon sign going, eh, 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 dead air, dead air. Did they really <laughs> point to those episodes as being ones where they hadn't thought about it? Anyway, Stephen, awesome. And Brilliant. we still have a, a, a second part of yeah, that. Looking but forward what to we that. should do, what we should do is invite the rest of the community to have their say on the last week in Ambridge. Yeah. Hello, Ambridge 3962. Ah, folks, you thought he was a voice you'd never hear again. But oh no, it's it's like the flu. He keeps on coming around again. It's our Quentin in the East Midlands. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. It's Q here. I felt compelled to call in because as someone who's lived in the region for over 30 years, I cheered from the rooftops when the East Midlands got a name check from Alistair in relation to Denise moving to a different practice for another six months or so. I could imagine her in a practice perhaps in Ashby de la Zouche, which isn't too far from West Midlands. I cheered because for years we've always been these the poor relation, if you like, to the mighty West Midlands and where we recognise as a region. And bit by bit we were. We had the two regional news programmes set up. I worked for one of them. And uh, we had an East Midlands development agency, long gone, of course, then we started to get name checks on the national weather forecast. So for the archers to actually acknowledge the East Midlands surely is the ultimate accolade. And it now proves that we in the East Midlands actually... A couple of other things. I'm delighted Brian isn't fleeing Ambridge. As we all know, I'm a big fan of Brian. So I'm pleased that he's still hanging around. But like others on Twitter, slightly worried about that sticky back door. Ooh. Might that lead to problems as an intruder going to come in and do something horrible to our Brian? Hopefully not. Anyway, those are my thoughts for this week. Up the East Midlands. And, of course, we all have to flog to the West Midlands to meet up next month. Hope to see a lot of you there. But in the meantime, let's see what the Brummie and the Yellow Belly have to say about my thoughts. <laughs> I well, know that somebody from Lincolnshire is called the Yellow Belly. Yeah, so Lincolnshire Yellow Belly is on my Twitter profile. I even had bit that. Oh, didn't I? I've learned something new. Thank you for that, Miss Serena. Mr. Q, sticky, yes. Yeah, sticky back doors. You ever had a sticky back door? Nah. If I had, I fixed it very quickly. Really? Yeah. You're handy but with I, your back doors, are you? I'm definitely handy with the back door, with any door. When they hate oh, is that more Mr. Berto's department? Yeah, bloody joking. <laughs> really? 
Loic is a great believer in if something doesn't work, tell your wife to sort it by asking someone else. <laughs> I'm quite... That, that's very interesting. I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed about the Americans, or at least Californians, or at least people that I've encountered in California, much more handy than us Brits. Really? I know quite a few women who are just like, shelf needs putting up, they'll put it up. No hassle. None of this. And they even have the correct power tools. Yeah. Very handy. Not intimidated by anything. Me, I'm like, let's just call a professional. And they're like, it's ridiculous. You only just putting up a shelf. All you need is a masonry drill and some raw plugs and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Very handy. And a level, a level, a spirit level. Mm. Very important in my Look at you. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, because I know you're going to be in Birmingham in just uh, over a month's time. Yeah, Anything you that needs doing. A load of jobs at your mother's. I'll probably have my place by then. So I'm thinking, you know, get you round. You can come <laughs> to England with your toolbox. That'd be awesome. Right, I, I'll make sure um, it's in there. All so, talk well, about the East Midlands being forgotten. Come on now. Yeah. Now, in fact, if you mm. look, if you Google East Midlands UK mm. and Google mm-hmm. Maps... The, it go East Midlands goes a long way, a very long way. It goes mm. from west of Derby, which almost touches Birmingham, of course, right the way through to the east coast, Gignes, Boston, and all the rest of it, almost to Immingham. Immingham is just outside. Let me show you this. You see that? You can see that. So what she's doing, folks, is showing me that she's got an iPhone, one of the latest oh, with a map. iPhone with a map. And yes, it's extensive, but... But you know what, though? As big as it is, it is a bit bland, these Midlands. But, Come on. but listen, how will someone as resourceful as Denise survive in the East Midlands and if it's all very bland? I think she'd do pretty well. But I'm just knocking the whole region as a whole. You have no idea because you're no, traveled through it. You. No, I've travelled through it on the motorway, getting to somewhere of worth. What motorway? Over. There are no motorways. <laughs> If I'm going from London to Leeds, how am I getting to Leeds? Driving up the M1, which goes through the East Midlands. Come on now. Yeah, I suppose it does. Yeah, kind of crosses across Nottingham, doesn't it, to Sheffield? There you yeah. go. There you go. And there's nothing to see here. That's what I would say. You know, Nottingham's all sp- spit nice. Leicester, oh, good curry. Oh, Q, I think we need to bite, beat him up a bit. What? You're bringing violence to the podcast. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. If you're going to be that rude about the East Midlands. Anyway, I'm just saying it's a bit bit meh, bit meh. There you go. Or well, that as the kids say, as the kids say? say, a bit mid, a bit mid. A bit That's mid. Kids, oh, yeah. I still have to introduce that to my students. A bit mm-hmm. mid. Exactly. The right like Yorkshire and everything. Yorkshire's got character. It's a big, brash, bold county. Asserts itself. Lancashire. Yes, Merseyside. Lord. Hey, come on now. The southwest I just made me stop and think. Does. We mustn't forget we're here to talk about the archers. Oh, we are, we are. <laughs> and what actor in the archers has a Merseyside accent? And the answer is just to tie this up with Liverpool. Mm, God knows. Kirsty. Kirsty and I are Liverpool. Kirsty's accent is from Southport, which is just north of Liverpool. And Annabelle Dowling, who plays her, has told me this on a couple of occasions, that when she first came in, I think she, she was broad scouse, but now she's toned it down and it's more of a speaking yeah, you're right. and it's Southport. Southport, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, that's interesting because I've been reading a series of books set in that area. Wait a minute. We're talking about the archers. You just corrected me. You about to go off on a tangent about your blooming books. As always, bloody books. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. All right. All right. Anyway. Right. So (laughs) hold that thought. thought Because now we travel from one great port city to another. We've mentioned Liverpool. We've mentioned Southport. Now we go to New York, the upper, lower, east, west side. And it's our with a spoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Royfeld, Jacqueline, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. I was planning to take the week off from caller entering, 
But then a character goes and says something that really pisses me off. No, not Allison Adams' ageist and patronizing comments. I'll let other caller errors handle that. This week it was Jakob. First off, he would never ever have said me and Alistair. I notice the scriptwriters often use the objective case me when it should be the subjective case I imagine Jakob paid attention in English grammar class and is much too precise. You would have said Alistair and I, but I digress. No, it was Jakob's expression of fear that Paul would try to get Alistair and him to, in his words, perform Abba in full bling, or what he really meant to say was full drag. That upset me. What a homophobic and transphobic thing to say. Was this an expression of Jakob's unconscious biases or of the scriptwriters? It smacks of the homosexual panic legal defense that defendants who assaulted or killed LGBT people have used. It was especially popular in the 1970s and 1980s when gay bashing was on the significant rise, but is still used today. In doing some research on this, I read that in the UK it's known as the Portsmouth or Guardsman defense. In the United States, bills to outlaw this defense have been introduced into Congress, but have not gotten out of committee. Am I being too sensitive? I think not, especially as I was the victim of a gay bashing in 1983. I really don't want to get too heavy here. Trying to get out of an escape room is intellectually challenging, though it didn't deserve an award and was only mediocre radio listening. Dancing to ABBA would have been much more fun. Talk to you soon. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'd have gone to. with the dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm inclined to agree about the Friday episode in the escape room. It yeah. did not make for interesting listening at all. I was quite fascinated by it because I've never been in a, an escape room and I have no desire to be to go into an escape room. The thought of being locked in somewhere to with other people, ugh, couldn't do it, couldn't cope with it. But, yeah, it was quite interesting. And it was all, all too... Paul was too over the top. It's that you, you guys. It, somehow it doesn't ring true. He wouldn't keep saying, come on, you guys. We'll do this, you guys. We've got to do... I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know because I don't know the character well enough. Not invested, so I'm a bit like... But I think Witherspoon brought up a great philosophical point because with my cis heterosexual ears... I didn't hear that slur, right? Uh, so, yeah, so was it in you did? I did, but you're you're very sensitive about certain things. But I think you're you're also skim. Uh, oh, I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I felt absolutely. I felt that it was too much of a, a, a cartoon. When Jacob said, "Oh God, I thought he was going to get us singing Abba, blah blah blah," in the full book, that really cheesed me off as well. I felt quite affronted. But for me, the thing which is really interesting about what Witherspoon said was, "Is this the writer's subconscious prejudice, or was mm. that deliberately put there for the character?" And I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't sure either. If we were to go back, let's say fifteen years and look at the treatment of various minorities and people's casual assumptions on yeah. the archers, we'd be like, oh, that's a bit off now. But at the time, it was either seen as acceptable or it just went over people's heads. You didn't even realise that was a slur. So I think that is a great philosophical point. I wonder how much I say to, to my gay friends of which is let's say casual or teasing which could be construed as being that i'm othering somehow yeah uh, uh, but because they know that i'm i'm not homophobic they're just going no oh, that's just royful being royful i said witherspoon's comment made me think was that deliberately put there or was this subconsciously the bias of the writer no, I don't know either, Royfield. But in fact, when you think about it, people of our generation, if I could dare lump myself with you as a generation, we grew up with those kind of casual comments about things. And also our humour tends to be a bit on the sarcastic side, a bit British humour in general is deprecating, pulling ourselves down and pulling other people down in a kind of sarcastic way in which... I can imagine Jacob being totally invested in that as a kind of, ooh, as his way of making, being humorous. We'll mm. see. 
Mm. I don't know. I don't know. But I think I understand when you you come from Witherspoon's point of view, when he's obviously suffered from gay bashing at the yeah, and that was yeah. dreadful. But yeah, absolutely awful. I can't imagine, and I would be hypersensitive to that if I was him as well. And I quite understand his comments. The last thing I would say, which is very much related to the first thing in terms of was he subconscious by the writer or was he deliberately put in, that same-sex marriage has only been legal for, what, 15 years, something like that. There are many people that still do not think that homosexuality is right. They say Mm. that it is abnormal. Those people are rapidly in decline, but there are people that say that. Yeah, absolutely. So, So if those attitudes, whether they're conscious or subconscious, are still prevalent in society... Isn't it then that we have somebody just makes a casual comment, which could be construed as being softly homophobic? I think, yeah, quite normal in the circumstances, in the setting. Yeah, absolutely. So it is realistic that Jakob would have said that. Yeah, and it's something which I say about casual descriptions of black people. You know, no one ever says in the archers, oh, Nolatando, the black girl. No. And in real life, that would be said all the time. Anyway, let us move on. Mr. Spoon from Upper Low East West Side, we thank you for your contribution, sir. As always, you've done our make us think, sir. Now, it's the time, good people, where I say the best and the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dum-de-dum. Don't forget the T in the middle. And you'll also find a link in them there show notes. Or you can send us a voice note via WhatsApp on 0044-7957-167-696. We need your calls in by 6pm on Sunday UK time. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now, folks, is the People's Podcast, there are, so there are a few things that you can do to help out this communal effort. First off, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher you use. Secondly, if you wouldn't be so kind, give us a five-star review. It'd be hugely appreciated. Ah, but to thine own self be true, as Shakespeare once wrote. If you think we only deserve three, give us three. Anyway, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would be most appreciated. And you know, Roy, Phil, for the second week running this week, we've had no... Don't even mention it. Don't even mention it. They're going to come to our raid this week. I'm feeling in my water. Let's be positive. Oh, I do hope so. Let's... So, please, people, get onto iTunes and leave us an updated review. You can update your reviews. You don't need to... Just because you made one, you don't need to think, I've done that. We can go back in and do it again. Look at you with your knowledge of all things technical. And finally, the third and the last thing that you can do is consider becoming a patron. Patreon is a way of tipping creators like us, and there are different levels with different rewards. So if you just go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, we'll be chuffed to bits to have your financial as well as moral support. Now, also what you can do is go and hit the donate button on our website on dumptydum.com which is exactly what some years ago Miss C.A. Cox did. She actually donates not through Patreon, but through PayPal. So there are different ways you can help out your favourite podcast. So do what Miss C.A. Cox did, and you can become a sponsor of the show. Oh, there you go. Now, you've heard part one. Now we're going to part two. Brace yourself, everybody. Things now get dramatic. This is Blottom Hill Cottage, part deux. Here is an illustrated summary of the news. Here is the second and last two-minute history of Blossom Hill Cottage. In case you're wondering where it is, it's on the edge of Ambridge, to the north of the village green, just beyond the cricket ground before you get to the lodge and the entrance to Gilray Gables. We left Blossom Hill Cottage in 1993 in the hands of its new owner, Usher Gupta. In 1995, Usher was mugged after an evening out with Richard Locke, the village doctor. Then a rock was thrown through the window of the cottage, and next a swastika and racist slogans were painted on the walls. Finally, Usher had ammonia thrown in her face. This series of attacks was mounted by a small gang 
led by Spanner Bridges and including the 17-year-old Roy Tucker. Usher nearly sold up to move back to Borchester, but was persuaded to stay by Dr Locke, who had moved into her spare room and then into her heart and her bedroom. Usher lived at Blossom Hill Cottage until 2008 when she married Alan Franks. She moved into the vicarage and decided to let the cottage, furnished with quite a bit of Alan's old stuff. This didn't go well, and only after persuading Alan that the furniture had to go did she manage to find a tenant. That tenant was Jim Lloyd, who hadn't told Shula and Alistair that he was moving out of the stables. One of Jim's first moves was to allow the washing machine to flood the kitchen. Things improved, though, and by the end of 2009, Jim was trying to buy Blossom Hill Cottage from Usher. She turned down his offer, but he stayed on as a tenant. By 2013, Jim had moved out, but Usher was able to find a new tenant, the herd manager for the estate dairy, a very nice man named Rod Titchener. Rob developed a relationship with Helen Archer, much to her father's displeasure, and after a disastrous tea at Bridge Farm in early 2014, Helen decided to take Henry and move into the cottage with Rob. Of course, we all know how that turned out. The kitchen of Blossom Hill Cottage was where Helen stabbed Rob after two years of coercive control, culminating in a disagreement over custard. Usher finally gave Rob notice to quit Blossom Hill Cottage in the autumn of 2016, and soon after that she let the place to Alastair's new veterinary partner, Anisha Jayakodi, who lived there until her departure to Newmarket in the summer of 2018. There you go, folks. Wow, oh, very interesting. And when I said it got spicy and dramatic in part two, I wasn't joking, was I? Oh, you were I not. had forgotten about the level of racist abuse that Usha had. I knew that something was pushed through the letter, but... I yeah, I remember the ammonia, but I had forgotten I about the swastika. It was yeah. the swastika on the door that shocked me there, in that little bit of that story. And if we remember, Roy Tucker last year uh, on The Archers did actually make reference to it, didn't he? He did, you know, yeah. So what... He admitted to Adil that he'd been involved in some racist stuff in his youth, didn't he? Yeah. And he said it was coercion. He wasn't exactly... He went along with it as opposed to instigating it, but... Yeah, and he did. It seemed like, felt like that at the time as well, that he was just part of a gang. He wasn't mm. an instigator, but he, he did it, and that's right. But he's obviously still feeling guilty about it. But what, so what a he great, should. great piece of work, Stephen, that I've learned more today about Blossom Hill College than I didn't know that I didn't know. See what I mean? All right. Well, uh, Stephen, you got to keep this up. You're setting yourself very high for yourself. Very high standards. Very, very high, sir. Right, so that's our Stephen Bowden, who you will have the ability to see in the flesh. If you come along to the Dum Dee Dum Archers Academic Mashup Weekend in Birmingham in just about a month's time. There you yeah, go. that's exciting. All right, now we go to somebody else who's also going to be at the Archers Academic and Dum Dee Dum Mashup. It's Ambridge Home Club. Our Jen. Greetings everyone, Jen here. Really looking forward to the Archers meetup. Can't wait to see Jacqueline and Royfield and I believe our student Bowden is coming along and all kinds of people with Nick, Wick and Kraken. It's going to be fantastic and I hope as many as possible come along. Just going in on the Adam finally trying to decide to find his dad's storyline. Typically the Archers Twitterati seem to be better informed than the scriptwriters. Well, tweeted it's from the Book of the Archers about I pass it on to Jacqueline to have a read of but Adam has had at least a glimpse of his father in the past I was a little bit disappointed in him as a father okay this was a shock he had a lot to take on board and think about himself but we haven't heard one word out of him yet as to I need to do this for Xander too and Adam is Xander's only genetic relative that he actually has. We don't know where the egg came from. We don't know if they used a known or an anonymous donor there. He has his surrogate, who they've lost touch with, and obviously he has Ian. But genetic-wise, he would be pretty interested in the guy who was the biological father of Adam, because that's his genetics too. Yeah, bit disappointing that he hasn't really thought about the implications for Xander as well as himself. And then I find it very funny that Adam's biological father is from the Ulster farming community 
Ian is from the Elster farming community. Wouldn't it be absolutely hilarious if it turned out that they were second cousins or something along those lines? So, anyway, it'll be interesting to see how that all turns out. I, I always thought that Adam was very comfortable with the fact that he didn't know his biological father. Yeah. He makes no reference to it at all. Though I think thinking about it as I'm speaking, the fact that he's always had this slightly frosty relationship with Brian. Um, Certainly in recent years. Yeah, yeah. It is an acknowledgement that he's not an Aldridge, so to speak. Yeah, maybe, but I do feel that Brian was very appreciative of his relationship with Adam and appreciative mm. of Adam this week, which was a bit of a turnaround. But also, I think Adam's like many of us, you get on with life, don't you? Things happen in your life. He didn't know his father. Um, and then something happens that suddenly he's he has a little bit of information so that becomes a major topic in his brain so how it's not surprising really having read the letter to jenny from paddy he's thinking about his father but i don't know if it'll go anywhere but it's quite interesting the idea of the ulster farmer and the ulster file mm-hmm. i thought that was a cute connection jen and in fact jen did send me a very interesting photo of a page about paddy redmond from a book and I am blowed if I can find it. So I wanted to reread it this morning ahead of the uh, doing the podcast. I couldn't find it anywhere. So sorry about that, Jen. I'm pathetic. Email me things or message and messenger me things rather. There is something which I've never really ever mentioned before. But every week you say somebody sent you something, has messaged yeah. you this, tweeted at you in your DMs that yeah. no one ever does that to me and no one. I don't mean I get the odd thing. I find I mean, that astonishing. Zero. No, seriously. No, nobody I find ever. astonishing. Nobody ever. I never get a thing. Yeah. If I get anything, it's an email for Dum Dum as opposed to Oi Mush Royfield, blah, 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 blah. I'm absolutely nothing. Because nobody ever back channels me anything, DMs, emails, or anything, which I don't know what that means. But Jane Bassnett who is on our Facebook group, I went to school with her. Yeah. Junior school. Really? Yeah. And she she found you through the podcast. She found me through the podcast some time ago. And the only reason why I bring that up is because today I woke up to a couple of messages from the Green Home School Memorial Group. So this is where I went. So I left there in 1980, a long time ago. And uh, people are thinking about doing a bit of a meetup. And Jane uh, made a little quip and she said, oh, I think I'll come along after listening to the Archers. And I went, oh, you like the Archers as well? She went, Royfield, I'm part of the Dum De Dum Facebook group. I was like, oh, my God. So there you go. There you go. (laughs) I just throw that in. There you go. That's very interesting, isn't it? So I'm glad that old school friends are coming out of the woodwork for you. Yeah, Absolutely. I do get a lot of messages. It's quite interesting, uh, really. Yeah, you're the anyway, popular that's, one. That's what you're saying. Yeah, maybe I'm you're... just a mug. It says mug. It says no. mug. No, my... you're popular. You're the popular one. I'm the one who just shuts but... it. See, I just, but it do comes edit back to thing. bite you. Yeah, all you do is edit the thing. You're right. Yeah, you talk a lot as well. Now, have we done all our calls, the Rayfield? We've done all of our caller inners. Now, I think it's time to go to email inners when you're ready. Yeah, I think we just had the one this week, and it's from Mm. Down Under. I've been listening to the podcast for about a year now and love it. I have not missed an episode of The Archers since 2004. Listening to you and Jacqueline and all the colorinerers, I can hear and feel the community you've created and maintained so very well. Jen's call-in last week was particularly moving. It gives me the feeling of sharing the archers, even though I have not really participated, save by listening and doing so religiously, which is something I can't otherwise do. Not only being out in the antipodes, but not knowing any other archers fans. It made me laugh. I joined as Patreon, but I used my wife's account, who is Jennifer Wen. It was read out loud. And the funny thing is that she wouldn't know a David from a Ruth. <laughs> I have to say that I'm green about the meetup in Birmingham, and but I will be in the UK at the Cambridge Summer School in July, August. There's unfortunately no way of getting me getting over there in April, but I'd love to be there. 
been wanting to call in a few times and we'll get around to doing it. Until then, thanks for the podcast. And that was from Martin. I think anybody who's in Cambridge in July, August and Martin, you should all get together. I won't be there, unfortunately. I'm sure Royfield probably won't be either, will you? Uh, Probably Canada. Yeah. But Cambridge people... Get in touch with Martin, fire us, and we'll see if you can all get together and have a mini dum de dum meet up in the summer holidays. How about that? So that was one message we received this week, which was brilliant. And thank you for finding us, Martin. Now let's hear what our social media gurus have been talking about on the dum de dum Facebook page with our wonderful Sandra, who's going to tell us what's been going on. Hello, this is Sandra with a selection of the conversations from the Facebook group this week. Lillian McCarthy was really annoyed by two things in this week's episodes. Firstly, it was Helen not consulting Clary and Susan about the window and then manipulating Susan. The other was that Clary should be grateful to receive Susan's cast off pergola. Carol Walker added that Helen had also imposed a new uniform on them without any consultation, which is again thoughtless and undemocratic. Paul Devlin agreed about the pergola, as Eddie could have knocked up a pergola any old time. However, Deborah Jean Miller had one put up and said it was pricey. Sally Owen thought that Eddie would have found some used timber. KP Cunningham said, Is it me? Or did anyone else think it was highly improbable that a young lad would be hanging around an adult, grumpy, whining, old brummy bloke with not one redeeming feature on, not only his day of, but also his 21st birthday? There was a lot of disagreement with that opinion. Darcy Jorgensen said, Even as a wee bairn, I loved hanging out with those two generations above and ahead, hearing their stories. I cherish those times. Nicola McIntyre thought that he's a lovely boy who is making a connection. Exactly why he was drawn to nursing. I have known many similarly lovely young people. Peter Price said, after what he has gone through, it's no surprise to me. Some people thrive on helping others. They make the world a better place. Lillian McCarthy thought that um, they had found some common ground when conversing about farming and Brookfield in particular. And let's not forget Ben has a really good rapport with Jill. And we all know how grumpy she can be. Sarah Evans said, How lovely is Ben going in before his shift to have a chat with Shut Sykesy? Heart of gold, that one. And Raffle J was chuffed to hear Sykesy again. Lovejoy Acorn Clayton speculated that Sykesy will turn out to have been friends with Paddy, Adam's dad. Rob Williams didn't seem to think much of Friday's cliffhanger. Louise Lawton agreed. As cliffhangers go, that was a molehill. Darcy Jorgensen can't wait for the kids' reactions, and she came up with their thoughts. Adam, it's your fault. Alice, it's your fault. Kate, Gaia met Karma in a yurt and over a chai. Debbie, the sound of crickets. Rory, so, do I still get my allowance? Well, that's all from me from today. See you later. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Sandra. And thank you to everybody who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. Now, keeping on the theme of all things owned by Mark Zuckerberg, (laughs) we should welcome our 10 lovely new members to that group. Yes, we wish a very warm Dumpty Dum welcome to... Deirdre Alinum. Margaret Jones, Joan Sindon, Virginie Banik, Chris Bushwell, Andrew Wilden, David Thomas, Fiognoglin, what a wonderful name, Kathleen Gallagher, and Dawn Rees. Now, good yes. people, now would be the time where if you'd written us a review, we'd read that out. You would be lionized. You would be immortalized on this podcast. If you want to get your name on the podcast, remember, this is the People's Podcast. Why don't you write us a review on Apple Podcasts and we will read it out. 
and we'll even read out the bad ones because we don't really mind reading out the bad <laughs> no, ones you can always learn you can always learn even from the most negative of reviews uh, if you don't if you do write us a review on another <laughs> platform you might have to email us and tell us however because we don't check every other place that we can, there can be reviews so if you're going to do it on spotify you might have to go oi i wrote one on spotify but if it's on apple itunes we will basically know about it i listened to some dumpty dums on spotify this week oh did you some very good early ones yeah it's good like, for very you. good are you and lucy talking you are very happy then. You are very jolly chappy. So let's go back to our social media bits platforms. And we are on Twitter and you can find us at Dumpty Dum, where you can join in the tweet along fun by using the hashtag The Archers with a capital T and a capital A, which helps the visually impaired to join in the fun. I can be found on Twitter as at Jberto Sanguen. Now, if it's Twitter we're talking about and Jacqueline being found on that platform, it must be time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to everyone who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. There's something weird going on with Twitter in its post-Musk incarnation and some people can't see our tweets or, or other particular feeds, but we're all soldiering on the best we can. This week... Hashtag the Archers Twitter has been very visual with lots of people posting funny photos. The special shout out goes to James A at Exeter Dormouse, who posted a number of examples of possible overall designs and logos for Clary and Susan. James, I hope your brand building talents are put to good use in your day job. If not, you should think about joining the next series of The Apprentice. Now, here are the results of this week's poll for the best lines of the week, with all credit once again to this week's scriptwriter, Naila Ahmed. This week, the choices were Adam saying to Brian, we've never been the conventional father-son duo. Susan saying to Clary about their husbands, don't worry, Neil is too sensible. Or Clary saying to Susan, he'll know we're at the Faircastle Fiddler Fest. The runaway winner was Clary with the Fiddler Fest. And here are my medals for Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's David from Barnet at David from Barnet. Will the punters have to keep feeding coins into a slot for the window to stay open? In silver, it's Gem Butters at Gem Butters. Can't the archers combine the observation window in the stained glass memorial for a win-win? And in gold, it's Nick at Check Your Sheds. I live my entire life by the mantra, hashtag WWBD, what would Brian do? So far, this is including drinking pork for lunch and an incident at work which is now in the hands of HR. Well, that's it for this week. See you all on Twitter next week. As always, Theo, our purple pumpkin. That was tip top, top notch. Don't forget, folks, as well as Twitter, we can be also be found on another social media. That is Instagram. You can find at dumdydum there, which is run by the lovely, lovely Katie. So follow us there if you like that platform. Yes, and I'm also on Instagram, and my name is Jack Simply Jacqueline Berto. But I'm a bit boring because I just go on about my garden, my dogs, and walking in the forest. Etc. You're not really selling yourself much, are you? Nah, I'm not. I really feel quite embarrassed about my Instagram line, but hey ho, at least I'll be able to share lots of pictures when I'm in Birmingham, can't I? So another another thing. Thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos and everybody that supports us including Shambridge Fair Voices and to our podcasting godmother Lucy B. Freeman there you go folks that's the end of another Dum Dum see you all next week oh, oh, and don't lovely. forget don't forget buy your tickets for the Dum Dum and Archer's academic mashup weekend yes come along and see us and meet us even if you don't really want to meet other people as well there you go there you go. <laughs> Au revoir.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.